Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Coach Time here on the Believe Network. I'm your host, John Lyons, and joining me is a very special guest from NBC Sports Boston. He is Phil Perry. Phil, thank you for taking the time and welcome in. Thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, and full disclosure, folks, we actually recorded a podcast last night and uh, didn't record and didn't go through. So this is Phil's second time around. Uh, I'm sure the takes will be twice as good. Uh, by the end of it, we'll see. And I, I do appreciate Phil taking that extra bit of time. He's a great guy for those that hey, don't know. Listen, John, I'm not sure people were ready for all the takes yeah. that were being spat in that original conversation. So it's probably best. It's probably best, you know, for the people that that we we do it again because yeah. I'm not sure they were ready. Quite honestly, that that first one went so hard yeah. that um, you know, you just don't want any injuries happening while listening to your podcast yeah that that first one was so good it would be the type of thing you would put on one of those voyager spacecraft that you send into space yes. to contact <laughs> yes. other civilizations right. as a retro uh, representation of, of the human race so phil let's get into it right so you cover the patriots for nbc sports boston for those that don't know you can follow him on twitter at phil a perry you can see his work at nbcsportsboston.com as well as on tv at nbc sports boston and the next pats podcast phil you very close to the Patriots. You've been covering them for years, and they're in a position that's really unique, I think, for your coverage time. They're they're not this perennial Super Bowl contender, but they're not even a playoff team. They're not even, even last year, they're in the playoff hunt the last couple weeks of the season. Now they're in the hunt for the number one overall pick. Phil, simple question, not a simple answer. How did we get from that to this? Boy, John, I think it just, plain and simple, comes back to talent and i i remember or i try to remind myself of what bill belichick has told us many many times before as great a coach as he is players win games coaches lose them and that is just one way i think for bill belichick to um approach his job with some humility i'm sure there's some sort of you know uh, pr component to to the fact that we all know that saying you know he, he makes a point of saying that but i think it's it's also um, in part a way for him to explain to his players just how important they are to the overall operation. You know, I know there have been players in years past when they have had some really talented teams um, where they've been pretty open about the fact that maybe they don't get enough credit because the world knows that they've been coached by the great high and mighty Bill Belichick. And so, you know, this is Bill's way of saying, okay, no, no, you, you guys are the stars of the show. And that is true. If you don't have enough talent, it doesn't matter who's coaching you. And when you look at the high-end talent that they don't have on this roster, when you look at the depth of talent that they don't have, and you look specifically at the most important positions on the field, quarterback, I think in today's game, receiver is on the next tier somewhere 
probably right next to tackle even uh, or excuse me if not even slightly ahead of tackle pass rusher you know you have Matt Judon and and what do you have behind that um cornerback they made a great pick it looks like in the first round of Christian Gonzalez but but we're we're seeing just how thin they are at that position now they've got to bring in JC Jackson they have to try to make it work with Jack Jones it doesn't work now he's been released so to me that's what it comes back to is is talent it's 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 mistakes in the draft room it's mistakes in free agency if you can't especially in the draft if you can't replenish your roster with young cost-effective talent on a relatively consistent basis you don't have to hit on every pick every year but you do have to hit and you have to hit in a big way every so often as well uh then you get the results that we're seeing now yeah and i think that's a great point the foundation talent wise is not there and much has been made about their drafting and the hits or misses i mean 2017 2018 2019 the only productive player they still have on the roster from those three drafts is dietrich wise and that should be all guys that are in their mid to late 20s in their prime. They get no but one guy uh, really uh, that's productive consistently for them from those three drafts. 2020, you have Duggar, who is, I think, a really good player. I think Jennings has played well against the run, but Uche's been inconsistent. He flashed the second half of last year as a pass rusher. That's been it. 2021, I think Barmore is a stud. I think Stevenson's a stud, but Mac Jones has really gone through the floor. And 2022, I mean, Cole Strange instead of you know staying at 21 and taking Trent McDuffie yeah you, you trade back you get Cole Strange who's allowed at least three pressures in every game that he's played played this year except one he has a PFF grade of over 60 only one time this year I mean this is a guy that if you're going to take a guy like that in the first round what did we hear at draft time well if you're going to take a guard in the first round it better be like Logan Mankins it's not like Logan Mankins Tyquan Thornton instead of George Pickens like these are all guys and look you're not going to hit on every pick but that should be the core of what you're doing and I, I think a great example to look at Phil the 49ers right that's a team with a young quarterback who has some limitations but what do they have the best left tackle in the NFL the best running back in the NFL top five receiver top five tight end the best edge rusher in the NFL the best middle linebacker in the NFL I mean the list goes on top five free safety in the league so the Patriots are so far off and, and look the 49ers are the gold standard but they are so far off from that it makes you wonder not just how hey, they get to this point, but it's a long road to get out of this point, I would feel like. Yeah, and, and just to use your example, the 49ers, you're right. They are the gold standard. I mean, they've they've drafted all pros. It's you know, it's not just hits. I mean, they're and they and they've been at the top of the draft a couple of times, but a lot of their players, John, you know, they're not all Nick Bosa, right? They're not all, you know, Debo Samuels, a second round pick. The one guy Fred they really Miller's went a- for was Trey Lance. He's not even there. Fred Warner, exactly. Fred Warner's a third round pick. George Kittle's a fifth round pick. Um, Ayuka's a low first, but you know, so like you just need, you do need to occasionally hit stars. And, and I'm with you, like, especially some of these recent drafts, they've gotten fine players, but you know, the one pro bowler is that they've drafted in the top three rounds since I believe Joe Tooney, who was a 2016 draft pick is Mac Jones. Yeah. Who was an alternate. Who's an and, alternate. And, and good, so, good season in 21, but yeah. Alternate. Good season. Kyle Duggar, fine player. Christian Barmore, fine player, getting better uh, and lo- looking like could be a really good player. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if he, you know, adds to that list of Pro Bowlers sometime soon here. But you don't have enough there. And when you're trying to buy a roster the way they did in some ways in 2021, 
and you only hit on a couple of those guys, you know, Judon and, and Hunter Henry really, to me, are the two big hits there. Um, that hurts. And you let guys walk that, that are good players for you. The Jacoby Myers for Juju Smith-Schuster swap is, is confounding to me to this day, John. So um, whatever awaits this team moving forward, there has to be a seismic change in terms of how they evaluate players and the types of players that they want to bring into the building here. And you have to figure out where things have gone wrong. Like I think, and this is just a, a theory that I have, this is um, not based in, in much in the way of either reporting or hard data. <laughs> so I, I need to, and I, and I would love to do a deep dive on, on this thought and others as we approach this off season, which is obviously going to be critical for this team. But I think over the years in the pursuit of landing players who are smart and coachable and high character, which are all good things. And I think you should be looking for that in, in all of your players. I think they've lost some of their edge. I don't know how many of the guys that are, that have been drafted here are true grab the bull by the horns types of leaders get on my back boys i'm going to carry you like there's one player on the roster that they they um signed two off seasons ago that i think has a little bit of that and was at one time thought to be a high end talent he's had a great year this year and i think he he should be a core player for them moving forward is Jabril Peppers Jabril Peppers is a leader in the oh, way yeah. that he doesn't have to be a captain and he might never be a captain here but he leads because he is so emotional and the effort that he brings and the physicality with which he plays. And he gives you the other stuff too. He's a smart guy and he's versatile and I think he's high character. Um, but you need some of the other stuff that he brings. You need the, the screw loose. You know, I think you need players like that. They, they don't all have to be boy scouts. And, um, and, and I wonder if they've, they've been too focused on, on the boy scout kind of player and that's hurt them on the field. Yeah, and I think it's great to have those guys and you need those guys, but you want that as part of a core that also has high-end talent. I mean, you look at the runs they've had. They've had two separate runs of winning three Super Bowls, You know, first in a four-year span, then in a five-year span. Look at the first run from 2000 to 2004. A lot of great draft picks. I mean, mm -hmm. Brady, Falk, Seymour, Matt Light, you know, Ben Watson, all these guys, Vince Wilfork, like that were major contributors to Super Bowl winning teams. And of course, I know Ty Law and Brewski were part of that. But even if you want to look at just Belichick picks, look at 09 through 2013 when they bring in Pat Chung and Vollmer and Gronk and McCordy, Hightower Jones, Malcolm Butler is an undrafted free agent. Like all guys, huge parts of winning Super Bowls that they brought in and drafted. And then, okay, then you can bring in a Darrell Revis. You can bring mm -hmm. in a Brandon Browner who maybe has a little bit of an edge, but you have such a strong core that you're okay there. Like then it allows you to do those things. You can bring in a guy like Brandon LaFell, good example, coachable, hardworking guy. That's not a star, but he's going to be made better by the fact that teams have to account for Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola. Mm -hmm. So now Brandon LaFell is going to have a good year and catch a touchdown in Super Bowl 49. Like it's, they don't have like, they have some pieces. Like I love Barmore. I love Duggar. I think Stevenson's a really good player on Wenu. But they don't have like that's four guys like they don't have the 10 to 12 core of guys that the great teams have with. Again, how many guys on this team, Phil, are top five in the league at their position? I mean, maybe Judon, you could say, is five or six as an edge. I think that's even a stretch. Like we talked about the 49ers. 
But I mean, look at all the teams that the Patriots have had that have won Super Bowls. Multiple guys in the top five in the league at their positions. I don't think they have a single guy. Maybe Christian Gonzalez will be, but right now, not a single guy top five in the league at his position. Yeah, and I and I I just feel like you know maybe some of that gets lost during the Brady years, right? Because you have this one great player who can paper over whatever warts you might have on your roster on the offensive side of the ball. And maybe even in some ways on the defensive side of the ball, because yeah. he can, if you need the clock killing kind of game, he can play that game. If you need to play the high scoring game, he can play that game too. And you, you maybe lose your way in terms of talent evaluation and balancing the, the character, the high character, um, do what you're told head down and work guy with the, like how many Rodney Harrison's have they brought in in the last yeah several years you know like who comes in here and mixes it up and says this is this is my team i have ownership of this team right now after that 2021 free agent class was brought in um after you lose a guy like myers and you bring in another free agent you make a trade for somebody like Devonte parker you, you have a lot of guys here that didn't come up in this system and there's not enough guys that have come up in the system that have truly established themselves as stars to really take ownership of the team either so you're, you're looking at the locker room and you're wondering, okay, so this is David Andrews' team. I'm I'm comfortable saying that. I'm comfortable saying it's Matthew Slater's team. Uh, after that, it's kind of Juwan Bentley's team. It's becoming his team, I think, in some ways on the defensive side. Like, they just, I don't know who has ownership, who's truly invested in, in the Patriots, who knows that they're going to be here for the long haul, who believes in everything that, that Bill Belichick is selling who wants to be here or who's just here because they got offered the most money to come here. You know, I, I, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting sort of um, psychological, I think dynamics at play that when you don't have the talent that we're talking about, I think they, they come to the forefront a little bit more than they would in other years. And so that to me is where it starts. It's, it's about talent. And that's why I think, you know, whatever they choose to do, they being ownership, whatever ownership chooses to do with the front office leadership after this season will be fascinating. Do you stick with the guys that have done all the college scouting for you and um, even the, the free agent pro evaluations for you? And uh, you just roll with that info because that's what you have. And if you're trying to part ways, you do it after the draft. Like you see, how many times do you see that where front offices get canned after the draft? And it's like, you just let them run your whole shape your future and then yeah. say goodbye to them. And in this case with the Patriots, it's you're going to let someone pick the face of the franchise and then maybe move on from them. And I'm not saying that's what the crafts will do, or I'm not, you know, and I'm certainly not saying it's what they should do. I don't know what they should do, but I'm really interested if they feel like they need to move on from Bill Belichick. Does that mean they also need to move on from Bill Belichick types or Bill Belichick um, pupils in the front office? Uh, that that's going to be a fascinating decision for for uh, Robert and Jonathan Kraft. Yeah, and in the leadership point, I think is really interesting because you know by my count, there's only four guys left on this roster that were co actual contributors in a Super Bowl win. You know, Wise, Andrew Slater, and John Jones. That's the only guys really left that can say, "Hey, I made a difference in a Super Bowl victory." And, and it, that's again, that's look, five years is a long time in the NFL, but it was only five years ago. Like it's not forever ago. And I think that makes a difference. And, you know, your point on the scouting is is interesting because I feel like a guy that has skated by with no blame in this is Matt Groh. 
And, and we heard after 2020, Robert Kraft said, hey, the draft's going to be more collaborative now. We're going to be more, you know, we're going to not just pick, you know, Bill guys. He didn't say Bill guys, but essentially it's kind of what he said. They had a good draft with Dave Ziegler. Ziegler leaves. Grow comes in. 2022 looks like a lot of misses. 23, I love Gonzalez. And I like Keon White, but was Keon White the best pick instead of maybe a good offensive tackle there? Like, you know, and even a guy like City So to me is, is a good example of this where he's had, I think, five out of his six games played. He's either had a run blocking or a pass blocking grade over 70, which is pretty good. The problem is he's only had one game or two games, I think, where both of those grades were over 60 together. So it's like you get one good thing and then one bad thing. And then the next week, the thing that was bad was good. And to me, that's a microcosm of a lot of the younger players they have where they'll flash, do some good things and then not. And I feel like Grow is skated by on this. And I think the scouts, it's tough to know what to make of it, because I, I mean, I talked to somebody last year who was familiar with the scouts in the department, and they said that some of the scouts asked them, you know, do the higher ups even read our reports because they're saying, hey, pick mm -hmm. Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown and you pick Nikhil Harry, or hey, pick Trent McDuffie, and you trade back for Cole Strange. So mm. I think that's something that really needs to be looked at. And Phil, a guy we haven't even talked about yet, Mac Jones, the quarterback, mm. who you mentioned face of the franchise. He might not be it anymore. I mean, from being down there and seeing this team every week, where are the Patriots with Mac Jones right now? Well, being there at practice today, we're recording this on Wednesday, he was the first quarterback out. He was the first quarterback during an offensive focused team period. And he's out there with David Andrews and Bailey Zappi and Will Greer are taking snaps behind him. And they're with a different group. And so it looked like business as usual, John. And that makes sense to me in that um, both Tom Curran and I reported today on um, early edition and then on the game plan that, our sources have told us that there has not yet been a decision made as to who will be the starting quarterback against the Giants in a couple of weeks. So the reason it looked like business as usual out there at practice was because it sort of was business as usual out there at practice. They're still coming to grips with um, that decision in terms of which direction they'll go there. And, you know, they're going to go on break now. The players are gone. <laughs> you know, they were out the door pretty quick. It was a pretty empty locker room uh, today after practice. And uh, when they'll come back, I'm sure they'll be informed one way or the other as to how things will go. Maybe they won't if it's Mac Jones. If the decision is to play Mac Jones, maybe they won't hear anything. And it'll just be, all right, let's go first team offense. And as long as Mac Jones hasn't heard anything, he'll trot his way out there and they'll get to work. Um, I just think, and this has been, this is how it's been described to me is that Bill Belichick's still going to just try to win every game. And there's, there's not a whole lot in terms of, at least from the people I've spoken to, Hey, let's see what we have in Bailey, or let's try to develop Bailey. Will Greer almost doesn't even come up in the conversations that I've had. Um, and I think it's because people just don't think that he's gotten the reps that he would need to even show what he can do. And so asking him to be the starter at this point in the year, I think feels a little bit like a stretch to people in certain corners of the building. So if Bill's looking at it and he wants to win every game and he's looking at his quarterback's room and he hasn't been confident in anybody else in that quarterback's room to replace Mac Jones to this point, does he still feel like Mac Jones is the best guy for the job? And if he does, I think he'll be back out there 
and and that's surprising to me because it feels like John, it's gotten to the point where change for change's sake might actually be beneficial. You know, I think you could potentially see the energy, see the morale of other players in the offensive huddle change, shift if there's a change made at the quarterback position. But if Bill Belichick and Bill O'Brien look at it and, you know, the emotional outcome from the Colts game is is long in the rear view now and you can make a cold, calculated decision, the, the likes of which Bill Belichick um, is known for, and, and he looks at it and says, listen, the, the best quarterback on the roster is still Mac Jones, so that's who we're playing. You know, the players can like it. They cannot like it. I'm sorry. What I know of these quarterbacks, Jones is the best one. So that's what we're going with. Like, I I could see it, John, um, after talking to people today because they could see it. it. It wouldn't be surprising to them to see Mac Jones as the starter. So that's that's a that's a different spot that we're in compared to the spot I thought we would be in following that game in Germany. Yeah, well, when you take out your quarterback right before the game-ending drive, you kind of think, oh, that might be it for the guy. And look, I'm not a believer in Zappy, and I'm not really big into Will Greer, but, I mean, Mac Jones, I know he's had some good moments this year, and he's been let down by his supporting cast a lot over the last two years, whether it was the coaching setup last year, the horrid offensive line play earlier this year, the fact that his receivers have dropped 12 balls this year, which is 13th in the league. I mean, and we look, we've talked about this before, but after the Monday night games this week, Mac Jones, he's faced 114 pressures. That's 15th in the league. So you think 15th, that's not that bad. Mm. But then you look at the list above him. I'd argue that 14 out of the 15 quarterbacks ahead of him have much better weapons to throw to, whether it's you know Tua, who has Jalen Waddle to get the ball out quickly to and Tyreek Hill, Jalen Hurts in Philly, you know, Sam Howell in Washington, who has Dotson and McLaurin. So it's like even the teams that have protection issues at least have guys you can quickly get the ball to, whereas the Patriots have Demario Douglas, who I think has played well. That's about it as far as getting the ball out quick. So my question, Phil, is I know he's had the the supporting cast issues. Why has it gone from a guy who was front runner for rookie of the year in late November of 2021 to now totally missing throws, giving up multiple pick sixes this year? I mean, he's accounted for 31 points against this year with his pick sixes and fumbles in safety against Vegas. I mean, how did it get from that to now we're talking about his job is is not safe at all and, and he's killing him? Well, so there's there's two elements to this, right? There's the situ- there's the nature and there's the nurture, right? And I think when it comes to Mac Jones's nature, I think um, he gets a little unsettled. And I think we saw that even at times during his rookie year, which is obviously viewed as his best year. It was. Uh, but to start that rookie year the way that it did, I don't know if you remember this job, but I remember writing a story about six weeks into his rookie year. He was on pace to set the modern day NFL record for quarterback hits taken in a season. And I I remember checking with the league and they had data that went back, I think to the early two thousands and he was on pace to shatter the record. That's how frequently he was being hit. And I don't know if that had a residual effect or if he was always that player. You know, I think that's one of the, the drawbacks of playing at a place like Alabama is it's hard to know how a guy is going to perform when he's under consistent pressure and he's under the consistent threat of punishment. And so, you know, I think his nature 
has to be blamed for this in 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 some way, shape, or form because not everything, especially this year, that we've seen in terms of the mistakes he's made are because of the weapons or because of the offensive line not giving him time to throw. I mean, the Mike Kosicki is a great example. The Mike Kosicki uh, targeted interception at the end of the Colts game is a great example of that. He had time. The guy was wide open. He just flat missed him. I think the Ramsey pick in Miami is a good example of that. He had time, bad throw, not about the weapons. It's a, a poor decision um, across the field. It's probably, you know, maybe it's not the, the world's best play call based on, okay, opposite hash to the boundary. Ooh, like you're allowing that guy who's uh, in his first game back. I know in Ramsey, but such a great playmaker, playmaker you're going to go in his direction. I don't know about that. But all that being said, um, he has to take some blame for this. But I would say, I think the reason you saw the, the shift from 2021 to 2023 is this, this situation. You know, it's really hard for quarterbacks to be in three different systems in three years. It's really hard for quarterbacks to be under consistent pressure the way that Mac Jones has been this year. And the Colts game is a great example of that. The Colts don't even really blitz, John. They're the lowest blitz yeah. rate in the league um, going into week 10 in Germany. And they still couldn't block them, the Patriots. So, you know, the line, the weapons, the coaching, I think that all contributes to this sort of perfect storm of why Mac Jones looks the way he does now, along with his individual work sure. and his work in a vacuum. We can't leave that out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think last year, the like, coaching setup was bad, but were they telling him to throw three interceptions in the second half against Baltimore? Like, you know, I, I don't, and one of those was on the receiver, but still two are on him. Like, it, you know, I don't think that were they telling him to throw temper tantrums in, in Arizona and against Buffalo? Like, I don't think so. And this year, like, yeah, Juju Smith Schuster and Jalen Rager let him down against Washington. His play against the Colts, that pick against Miami in week two, Parker was horrible, but that I didn't like that decision or throw either. Like, week one against Philly. We can go on and on. Right. Phil, last question here before I get you out. Patriots are two and eight. They're going to be coming out of the bye. Now, you and I are going to watch the Patriots no matter what. But for those out there that are like, oh man, they're two and eight. They suck for the first time ever. Why am I why should folks continue? What are you what are you looking for in this last half of the year? Here's what I would say to fans who especially might be fans who are intrigued by the roster building process and the NFL offseason. We know the NFL is the machine that never stops churning, right? So as soon as the season ends, we're thinking about free agency. We're thinking about the draft. We're, we're talking to potential free agent acquisitions. We're talking to draft prospects. We're talking to college coaches. If you love that stuff, to me, that starts now. And it's not just about those players that I just mentioned, the free agents for the 2024 offseason and the draftable quarterbacks, for instance, I just did a podcast, the Next Pats podcast with Mike Renner, draft expert. We talked about the, the five best quarterbacks in this year's draft class. That stuff's all well and good. I love that stuff. Christmas come early for me. But if you're talking about watching the team, what I would be doing is watching this team and trying to project out what is player X, player Y, player Z going to do for the Patriots roster in 2024. And that's what I think ownership should be doing. It's what I think Bill O'Brien should be doing because I think he's going to be back next year as offensive coordinator, John. That's my belief. Yeah. I believe Gerard Mayo, if they move on from Bill Belichick, which I believe they will, um, I believe Gerard Mayo will be his successor. And so both of those guys are in the building. It's a great opportunity for them right now to figure out who are their guys for 2024 and beyond. So if that means playing the kids, great. 
play the kids. Play Kayshawn Booty over Devontae Parker. Play Pop Douglas 100% of the snaps and give him 15 targets a game just because you know he's going to be part of the offense next year. But see how much he can carry on his shoulders. And, and factor that in when you do go into the true roster building portion of the calendar and you're thinking about free agents and you're thinking about the draft factor in those players and and all the information you've been able to glean on them in the second half of the season as you're going about those other decision uh decisions that you have to make in the offseason so that's how i would be handling it i think what makes this such an interesting end to the season you know, so say you're a fan and you you want to see the kids play. You want to see Pop Douglas get loaded up with targets. Does Bill Belichick want that? Is Bill Belichick going to give you, the fan, what you want? Is he going to give Bill O'Brien maybe and Gerard Mayon? I don't know what those guys want. But if that's what they want, is Bill O'Brien going to give them what they want? Because I might have said Bill O'Brien. I, I meant Bill Belichick. There's yeah. too many bills. It's clear. Yeah, I, bills. I should I should be I should have this down by now. We're week 11. Um and the reason I say that, John, is because I think Bill Belichick's going to approach it in such a way that he wants to win every single game. And so if he thinks Devontae Parker is just playing the better player and the better option, sorry, Kayshawn Booty. You're not getting evaluated at the end of 2023 for 2024. And sorry, Pup Douglas, we're not going to force feed you targets. We're going to spread the ball around because that's what we do offensively. And you know what? We might not even throw it all that much at all because our two best players are running backs. And so if you're Bill Belichick, do you want to give Ramondre Stevenson 150 carries in the second half of the season, maybe taxing him for 2024 and beyond? But if you're trying to win every game and you think the best thing to win every game is to give the ball to Ramondre over and over again, I think that's what Bill Belichick's going to do. So that's the push-pull of right now of you know where fans' heads are at, where I think they, they, they should be at if they want to watch the rest of the season, where um, leadership will be here in my opinion, next year. I think their heads should be in the same place. But I don't know if if the head coach in the here and now feels the way that that I do. Yeah, in the dynasty days, the Patriots used to say real football started after Thanksgiving. This year, I think the 2024 season starts after Thanksgiving because they're going to be doing a bunch of eval stuff. And I would like to see that. You know, I'd like to see, hey, do you have something in Booty? What do you really have in Douglas? You know, even Sean Wade, who I know is – Lower draft, sure. like, what if that guy could be a solid number two corner, you know, next to Christian Gonzalez? Like, just or, things like that. How about Marte Mapu over, yeah. you know, Jalen Mills and Adrian Phillips? Like, you yeah. know, and I, I like those Leon guys. White. Get them out I there think, all the time. Right, right. Yeah, they're they're nice people and they're, you know, they've had, you know, fine careers. But if you're trying to figure out what's best for the team, what's best for the team is what's best for 2024. It's It's really not about the here and now, which we're not used to, they're not used to. And yeah. so this is a, this is an interesting sort of feeling out process for everyone. Good news for the Patriots fans. They're going to have a ton of cap space and multiple picks in the top 50. So maybe this rebuild won't take as long as maybe it looks right now. Hopefully John, uh, look at Houston, right? Is yeah, that they, not the blueprint? Perfect example, right? They, they stink last year. Now they're going to, they, they could win that division at the very least be a wild card team. And I think on the reverse side, look at the Buffalo Bills. Big bad Bills Super Bowl contender the last couple of years. Now they sit at five and five, and maybe they're going to give Josh McDaniels a call to try to make the Brian Dayball magic come back Ooh. for Josh Allen. So Ooh. just a theory I have. He is Phil Perry. 
of NBC Sports Boston. Phil, I greatly appreciate you taking the time. Always great hearing your insight. And folks, if you need to follow him, Phil A. Perry on Twitter, aka X, and NBCSportsBoston.com. Phil, thank you very much. I enjoyed it. John, you're the man. Thanks for having me, bud.